last text at the beginning just because, well, Jack, I'm listening to your story about your kid. I'm 48-year-old father of five. That's a big family. We have a nine-year-old with similar behavior. We've been seeing all the experts in meds. Some days it just hits me I'm driving now and crying, but I appreciate you putting some humor in it. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, it's something. You know, I'd write about it, but until you experience it, you don't know what it does to your household. Holy crap. Well, and you combine that, and we've discussed this in terms of physical illness, too, but... You have to become enough of an expert on all this stuff yourself to, like, ask the doctors, how about if we do right. this, or have you ever thought of this? And and it's it's encouraging and terrifying when you bring something like that up and they say, wow, yeah, that's a good idea. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to think of that? What the, I make jokes about the news for a living. Why did I come up with that idea? Uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway, Owen, too. Yeah. Uh, which has become a uh, great Armstrong and get a catchphrase unexpectedly. Oh, that but reminds you, Vin me, Scully. We love you, Vin. If you're listening, God bless you. Which reminds me, because he's saying Owen too about the evils of socialism as he gets back to the baseball game. Right. Couple of great clips of socialism and how it's growing. Um, the mainstreaming of socialism happened over the weekend. A couple of politicians, really interesting stuff, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, speaking of which, I just read a great piece, very persuasive, that socialism depends almost entirely on ignorance to advance. If you... You must not know what it is and how it always ends to be in favor of it. But there's plenty of that going around. Anyway, Owen 2. Anyway, Vin, Owen (laughs) 2. And uh, Vin Scully, one of those rare people who retired, he could have kept going, even at his advanced age. He sounded great. But he wanted to do other things. Good for him. So, moving along. Uh, we have been furnished with the information on uh, the, the homeless folks of Sonoma County, California. This is a detailed uh, study survey. I'm sure many, many dollars were spent in gathering this information. On the, the status of these folks, the nature of them, their problems, their desires, etc. It is quite detailed. Yeah, I don't uh I don't want to attempt to pick it apart. How how it relates to bigger cities like Los Angeles in terms of the percentages, I would have no idea. But I'm interested in a town this size. Yeah, there are, well, it's a county. Um and there are several thousand homeless people, currently about 3,000 best as they can determine. It's actually less than it was in 2011 when it seems to have peaked. Boy, that ain't the case um, in a lot of other crash. That ain't the case in a lot of other places, but um, maybe it depends on what services you're throwing out there. Hey, uh, do me a favor, Hanson. Do you have a second? Can you get uh, homeless populations in just you know the big the big cities of the West Coast and and a sense of whether they're growing or not? See what statistical stuff you can find on that. But anyway, um, duration of current episode of homelessness homelessness ten percent have been homeless for thirty days or less. About a third uh, under a year, and 56% a year or more. So, you know, a, a majority a year or more, um, and, uh, and, and uh, the huge majority several months to multiple years. Let's get back to the premise, just in case anybody doesn't understand it. Because whenever you yeah, talk about good, homelessness good and how much you, you, you hate it in your town, and it's making your life less enjoyable to live, or your business impossible to run... People start throwing out ideas. Well, they're crazy. We need more mental institutions. Okay, maybe they are. How many of them? 5% of them or all of them? I don't have any idea. Right. They're lazy. They won't work, as my cab driver from another country said when I was in New York City 
my uh, Uber driver. Yeah. Thought that was interesting. He comes from another land, right. and his was what they percentage? Won't, they don't want to work. What, what percentage? Some of them don't. But is that half of them or or two percent? I don't actually have any idea. So that's what we're trying to figure out. Thank you, Hanson. According to the Los Angeles Times, LA's homelessness has surged seventy five percent in the past six years. If you could move on to other cities, that would be delightful. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder how much, and I, I keep interrupting this, but I no, wonder. That's all right. There's I plenty want, to be said. I wonder how much the info gets around among the those that are sane enough to have these discussions. What are you still doing hanging around in the Sonoma County? Haven't you heard over in Yolo County? They're giving away blah, blah, blah. Sure. Oh, I got to get over there. Right. Well, I, yeah. It, well, that's clearly true. Uh, the more generous the policy, the higher the population of homeless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that, San Francisco seen an enormous explosion. That's been proven their, over yeah. and over. Uh, primary event or condition that led to homelessness. <clears throat> I will tell you in advance that this is a very evenly distributed. 22% say I lost a job, so I can't pay for housing anymore. 17% alcohol or drug use. 15% argument with family friend where I was living, which certainly could be alcohol or drug use, and often is. And the whole I lost a job, okay, you lost your job. I've lost jobs, too. I didn't end up homeless. So right. what other issues you know, put you in a position where you're immediately homeless? Right. Yeah, um, 12% eviction, 11% divorce, separation, or breakup, um, again, which could be also alcohol and drug use. Asking people or mental the, illness. the primary cause of something is a tricky business. Yeah, self-reporting on mental illness or yeah. alcoholism is a tough one. Yeah, and 8% uh, the rent got raised and I couldn't afford it anymore. Uh, 90% of the folks they talked to said they do have an interest in uh, safe, affordable, permanent housing were it available. So if you're going to trust this figure, and let's trust it just for the sake of the argument, that's about 10% who say, I have no interest in moving indoors, Yeah, which is I interesting. D- I, well, I don't doubt that, but I would like that question phrased a little bit. Do you have any interest in safe, affordable, what, what did they call it? Um, safe, affordable, permanent housing. Yeah, okay. Safe, affordable housing, I think that I would, that would strike me as something that I can manage to, to get in without too much effort. Right, right. How many of you want to work 50 to 60 hours a week to get into housing? Ah, if you ah ask now you've that changed question, it. Right. It's affordable if you work 50 hours a week like a lot of people do. Given the fact that for all of human history, you had to do A to get B, I think that would be an appropriate question. Are you willing to or are, are you interested in safe, affordable housing, uh, given the fact that you're going to have to bust your ass to get into it? I wonder what that number would be. I would like to know that, too. I'm sure there are people shouting at the radio, all of them, or (laughs) none of them, they're lazy bums. (laughs) I have a feeling the truth lies somewhere in between. I like those two voices depicting those two points of view. I'm a a showman. All of them, or none of them, (laughs) they're bums. (laughs) The first one riding a unicorn. What uh, what percentage of uh, survey respondents reported a disabling condition? It was 44%, which is a physical disability, mental illness, chronic depression, alcohol or drug abuse, chronic health problems, HIV, AIDS, post-traumatic stress disorder, or developmental disability. That's a tad broad. If you're a glue sniffer, I got a different remedy for you than if you have PTSD. Or, or for God's sake, a developmental disability. Well, see, now this gets back to the story I was telling about my kid. I am paying out of my own pocket for a lot of stuff 
to try to figure out what's wrong with my son and help him. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had any luck working at it now for uh, like a year and a half. So trying to Loving figure out... parents with money trying as hard as you can. Right. So if you end up with nobody trying with no money, how good a job are you going to do in figuring out what the person has wrong with them? Or, or if they have something wrong with them. Well-meaning but overtaxed government officials yeah. with a tight right. budget seeing 27 people a day uh, you know, CVA counseling in some cases. Yeah, I, I, that I'm not just trying to say. So therefore, mental illness people who are mentally ill are screwed. But I'm just trying to say it's not. Yeah, an, that's realism. It's not an easy fix. We need to get these mental people health. What help for what problem? Okay, answer that question right there. That's going to take a gazillion dollars right. and perhaps years. What are the success rates? And listen, that's why I so often refer to some of you as. Uh, utopians are unicorn riders. It's a lack of realism. It's a lack of grown-up, boring, grinding realism. Yeah, I want to help all the people with mental illness. I I believe we ought to approach mental illness the way we do physical illness. If you're poor and you get hurt, you get help in the United States, 100% of the time. If you're poor... And, and you have s- severe depression, I think you ought to get help. I think you're no more responsible for that in most cases than you are getting cancer. Um, I have no problem with that, but you have to be realistic about who you can help, what it's going to cost, what are those procedures going to look like, and what's the success likely to be. It's like some of the drug rehab stuff passed o- under the Obama administration where the insurance companies were required to pay unlimited amounts for drug rehab, the result of which was blocks and blocks of fake rip-off, for-profit drug rehab scams in Florida, which made many, many millions of dollars and rehabbed exactly, practically nobody. So you just got to be realistic. All right, moving along. I found this part very interesting. Health conditions um, affecting housing stability or employment. 35% uh, reported psychiatric or emotional conditions serious enough to make it harder impossible to work so you know where there is self-reporting there is inaccuracy any uh, statistician will tell you that i would guess but though that's it's a just slightly more than a third say yeah i've got some pretty serious psychiatric and emotion or and or emotional problems. would you guess that self-reporting would give you a number that's high or low from reality honestly i would guess maybe a little low that'd be my guess too yeah yeah see, see i'm guessing the number of people say oh yeah if there's affordable housing i'd live there I'm thinking those people that it's a higher number than reality. On this, I'm thinking it's a lower number than reality. Right. I would agree. Yeah. The first group. Yeah. Well, yeah. If I could get a free puppy and you'd take care of it, yeah, I'd want one. <laughs> if I got to take care of it, no, no. All right, moving along. Thirty anyway. Oh, and two. That's right, Vin. <laughs> I'd throw a, a fastball about chest high and see if I can get him to go fishing. Thirty-three percent drug or alcohol abuse. I would um, point out that only 17% said they're homeless because of alcohol or drug abuse, but 13% say they got that going on. Uh, Now, if I end up living rough, I might drink more just because it passes the time. So it's not impossible. (laughs) No, I I would just guess, just from everything I know about these things, that's way low. Way low from reality Mm. that have drug or alcohol problems. I don't know. I don't know. Um, because a lot of people, if you want to keep drinking, I, I only know about that, really. 
you don't want to say out loud to yourself or anyone else that I got a problem. Yeah, because you is like kind of doing thing, it and you want to keep it? doing it. Yes, that's a big thing for your own psyche to say. I got a problem that's causing my life to be this way. What about PTSD? The number who report that will shock you. Stay with us. <laughs> Just looked at the clock. We got to take a break. There's a bunch more too. That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Already, though, you look at the way those numbers are spread around. Okay, so you want to help the homeless situation. So you're going to fill in the blank. One aspect of this that might make you say, no matter who you are, oh, wow, yeah, we do need to help. We do need to have a program. Is the percentage of the homeless folks who have dealt with the foster system in foster kids. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. We are not hard-hearted here. We're realists. Even the guy with the low voice might be touched by this one. Are you trying to tell me some of them are in foster care? Well, that's different. Now, you expect the person with the high voice to... Finally, a little compassion. (laughs) You shut up! (laughs) And your unicorn crapped right over there! Clean it up! I wasn't honking to you, I was honking to your unicorn! (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of the nation. had a 6% drop in a year for uh, the homeless population. You know, I hate to be selfish, but having read yeah. and digested this, right. um, the long and short of it is a, a few cities like San Diego um, and San Francisco saw slight drops after a multi-year surge last year. So it may have peaked at least temporarily well in some places Um, the police have gotten more aggressive either with ordinances being passed or enforcing them which would change the numbers too meanwhile alameda county uh homeless count went up 39 percent which is astounding la county up 23 percent king county in washington which includes beautiful seattle saw a 16 percent increase Um, and certainly the grain of salt is the difficulty in coming up with accurate counts um, of homeless folks well, you don't even you don't need a freaking count most places you live. You drive along the freeway, go downtown. Is it worse now than it used to be? Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, health conditions, 35% uh, say, yeah, I have a mental illness problem. 33% say, yeah, I've got drug and alcohol abuse problems. Uh, I wonder how much of that is overlapped because people self-medicate. You'd have to drill down a little further into that because if somebody's got a serious mental illness and they're a drunk, that's a different approach than somebody who drinks just because they don't want to think about their problems. Uh, PTSD, 28% say they have post-traumatic stress disorder. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea. Self-reporting. 27% say chronic physical health problems. 27% say physical disability. 14% say traumatic brain injury. Hmm. Uh, 3% HIV or AIDS-related disabilities or something like that. Um, 26% say they're not even looking for work. That's interesting. They go into employment. 
Um, that stuff's just kind of mildly interesting. God, it's it's so it's such a difficult thing to take on. The structure of society. So if you if if you live a life, you come from a a family that mom and dad were never married. You have no family network of. Uh, you've never had a, a family reunion. There's no such thing as cousins and uncles, aunts, and that all the whole sort of thing. And a lot of the stuff that might have stopped a person from ending up homeless generations ago, because you get a job with Uncle Ed, or you stay with Uncle Ed for a while, right. or whatever, or just all this different stuff, or examples of work and saving, or whatever. You know, if you've gone through your whole life with no good examples and you spend every dime you make, then the make and then the first time you run into problems, you're out on the streets with no family network to to help out. Mm-hmm. What do you do about those things? Those overarching societal changes. Right. Yeah, that makes that's another layer of difficulty. If you live your life with no self-safety net and then something bad happens, is the bad thing what made you homeless or right. was it exactly? Yeah, your your long-time lifestyle. Some of each. I'm not trying to generalize here. I have no need to. I'd rather just know what's going on. It's 58% men, 39% women. Oh, 2% transgender, the homeless population. That's certainly helpful to know. And 1% gender nonconforming. Well, I I wish you well. Uh, Sexual orientation, who cares? It's more or less the same as the population at large. 62% of the homeless in Sonoma County, California, are uh, white folks. The vast majority of the homeless are white. How about that? 8%. 8%. When I picture homeless, I picture white. Yeah, it's interesting. Boy, this... Like when I picture a serial killer, I picture white. When I picture homeless, I picture white. Maybe it's just because most people are white. But Yeah, this it's got the uh, 21% multiracial, 8% black or uh, African-American. It's clearly racism against white people that has led to homelessness. If you are a believer in disparate impact, the result proves there was discrimination. It is utterly irrefutable that discrimination against white people has caused homelessness. You can't argue against that. 62% of the homeless are white. Which is another white people's problem. I have no home! Which is more than a percentage of, because since this is California, that's more than the percentage of white people in California, because white people are the biggest, but also a minority, right? Yes. So, yeah, that's way outstripped. So if you believe in disparate impact, clearly there's something structurally in the state of California that causes white people to end up homeless. It's proof. I don't believe in disparate impact, by the way. I'll be throwing that at people who do, though, (laughs) for the rest of my natural life. Age at first episode of homelessness. Oh, I got to get to the foster stuff. Sorry, uh, that's uh, top priority. Um, Of the adults surveyed... 18% 18% had a history of foster care. Oh, man. Of the youth surveyed, 24%. Oh, that is rough. Yeah. And that is not their fault at all. Nope. And those people deserve extra help. Oh, my God, yes. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the new Western wildfire number is not getting any better. We got new problems for Wells Fargo and its customers. And does your dog food have weed killer in it? stories coming up minutes from now somebody needs to write a book or make a movie about wells fargo over the last decade holy cow telling you you're listening to the armstrong and getty show (laughs) 
funny text. There are many studies that show the best way to handle a child's tantrum is to honk at the child. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) That's funny, boy. Anyway, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. I got a quick update on a couple of the major wildfires burning out west. The Mendocino Complex, already the largest wildfire in California, gained another 6,000 acres overnight. Cal Fire putting the total acreage destroyed at 290,000 acres, containment inching up only from uh, 30% last night to 34% this morning. And California's deadliest and most destructive wildfire so far this year is still less than half contained after 16 days. Cal Fire is saying the car fire by Reddings burned another 3,000 acres overnight. Stands about 167,000 acres. Wells Fargo, it is reported, is now setting aside millions of dollars to compensate homeowners who were foreclosed on because of a computer glitch. The bank, revealing the issue in a regulatory filing, saying hundreds of people were foreclosed on because software used by Wells Fargo incorrectly denied the mortgage modification. Ah, yes. So hundreds and hundreds of people came and said, listen... I'd like to keep my house. Can we work something out? And they said, nope, go to hell away. And now they're blaming it on a software problem. Yes. Right. Okay. That's what it was. It would be a little easier to believe if you didn't have all this other criminal behavior that Wells Fargo engaged in. Mm-hmm. It would be a little easier to believe that it was just a software problem or Widespread something. Widespread systemic criminality. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, and, and firing whistleblowers and the whole thing. Yeah, so. the bank saying about 400 customers were incorrectly foreclosed upon between 2010 and 2015. So Has anybody from Wells Fargo gone to jail? I know in the whole financial crisis, I think one person has gone to jail in the entire country. Um Anybody from Wells Fargo do anything that's actually illegal? Some people lost their jobs. Martha Stewart did time for some stock things. Was she involved with Wells Fargo at all? No. No? Um, no. I do do believe some of the uh, chief executives had to resign along and took along a golden parachute. Yes. Yes. Oh, my heart's bleeding. Meanwhile, Wells Fargo is issuing a statement saying it was very sorry the error occurred. End of apology. Earlier, I'm telling you, I just wonder from a um, a corporate culture advertising standpoint, does anybody walk into a Wells Fargo and open up a checking account at this point? Haven't you seen their shiny new ads that say, we've turned a page, now it's all about or the Or you customers. think, I want to get a car loan, I know, I'll go to the Wells Fargo over there. Does anybody do that? I suppose they do. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't pay attention to what's happening in the right. world. That's what Wells Fargo is helping. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, of course, I could. I don't know. Sell a set of golf clubs or something. Get a shiny commercial made. Joe Getty is a magical enchanter who can move objects with his mind, and that commercial would be every bit as persuasive as yours. But go this, ahead and try this story on the heels of uh, another story that broke last week. The Justice Department announcing Wells Fargo. Agreed to pay a $2 billion fine for issuing mortgage loans it knew contained incorrect income information. The government said those loans contributed to the 2008 financial crisis that crippled the global economy. Way to cripple the global economy. Bastards! Celebrity chef Rachel Ray facing a $5 million lawsuit over a claim her dog food contains a chemical weed killer. The New York man who's leading the suit says the labeling on Rachel Ray 
nutritious dog food is false. Now with weed killer. That's all she has to do is now change. more weed killer. Change the bag. <laughs> saying the labeling is false, deceptive, and misleading. The packaging touts natural food for dogs. No artificial flavors or artificial preservatives. The suit argues that testing by an independent lab found the dog food contains the chemical herbicide used in brands like Roundup. The company that makes the dog food says, well, we're reviewing details of the claim, but we stand behind the quality of our products. Now with even more weed killer. Yeah. <laughs> you go. Your dog will be weed free. <laughs> man, is a Baxter turned homicidal. Oh. Oh, man. Baby birds now. I'm going to put Your up a... Your dog can fly? <laughs> <laughs> They're babies. They can't fly yet. I'm going to put up a sign in the backyard. Dear Quail, stay out of the backyard. My dog is a murderer. Didn't it start... Didn't he start out with, like, lizards or something? He's... he's uh, well, he can't catch lizards because he's not very good at it. But he caught one, and then it jumped out of his mouth. But he, 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 So he abducted a lizard, which was able to escape. Right. He's killed a squirrel. He's killed a couple of young birds. He's a, he's a homicidal maniac. He's moving, barbaric. Moving up the food chain. My yeah, God. Horrifying. And lastly, retired school teacher Ruth Reed was out at a convenience store in Medford, New Jersey, when she noticed a guy who had no cash for the coffee he wanted to buy, so she went ahead and paid the bill. He said, Ruth, I'm Keith. And I said, that's who you look like, Keith Urban. Do people ever tell you you look like Keith Urban? And he said, I am Keith Urban. I said, no, you're not, really. Yeah, it turns out he really... Keith Urban wouldn't be bumming around without a dollar in his pocket. Turns out it really was Keith Urban. Her photo with the country superstar, yes, has gone viral. There you go. Everything goes viral. Well, you know, when you're uh, when you're so wealthy, you don't need to carry around cash. Sometimes you get in a bind when they want some actual money. Uh-huh. I demand a guitar lesson from Keith Urban. Overrated for pretty, underrated for guitar. Uh, by the way, that, it reminds me of that story, and everything goes viral. Yeah. It's time to recognize, as incredibly lazy journalism, the inevitable story that so-and-so said this, but it's controversial. And they have three tweets that say, you're an idiot, I disagree with you. That's like two-thirds of journalism these days. Mm-hmm. Somebody, something's controversial because somebody on Twitter hated it. That's <laughs> not journalism. That's not much of a standard. A little like, yeah. a little like the reports that say, uh, broadcast reports indicate that. Mm, uh, right. I'm I'm in favor of healthy babies. We'll get 50 angry responses on Twitter. That's not journalism. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Let the bird fly. Squawky, squawky. Have we forgotten about liberty? I've got um, strategies for how to follow up on a good first date, how to not ruin it, not be too eager, etc. Information I hope I never need again. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Please, That's Lord. How liberating yes. to not think about that. Oy. Um, among other things coming up, nice newscast, didn't mention the T word once. Not at all. Not at all. I'm afraid my T's will. There's, so there's a story out that Trump likes to sit around and watch his rallies. He tapes him and watches them. Oh, boy. I can oh believe boy. that. Couldn't you? Oh, boy. Yeah. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Amazon Echo will now notify you when it learns the answers to your old questions. Backfires when you have friends over and Alexa says, to answer your question, Cialis is covered by insurance. <laughs> because you should be ashamed of erectile dysfunction. Is that the point of that joke? I'm horrified. You I'm should... going to get on Twitter and say I hate it. You should be ashamed that you still have the size sticker on your t-shirt that you're wearing there. Mm. You're right, I do. Do we still have Brian the dog at the end of the show saying, you don't like it, go on the internet and complain? Because <laughs> I love that clip. <laughs> I did still have the size sticker. It says L, athletic fit. You know what I like is that they now call it athletic fit. Yes. If you get a t-shirt that's shaped the way t-shirts were for the first 75 years of t-shirts. Right. And don't get what they consider the non-athletic fit, I guess, which is is so much material, three people could fit in there. Mm-hmm. I prefer that. Uh, and uh, actually, I bought a pair of jeans, though, that were, I actually went to a store, my favorite jeans company, and uh, they said, and these are athletic fit. And I said, oh, well, I'm at, no, they said, no, 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 that means they're looser. Oh, really? So, so apparently with jeans, because, you know, what oh, with my gotcha. kung fu and, <laughs> and, and stuff and high jumps that I do sometimes. You're Chuck Norris LARPing. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I need an so, athletic so fit. So that's interesting. Yeah. So athletic fit with T-shirts and, like, suit jackets oh, means the, it doesn't have that extra material so you can be 300 pounds. Or the loathed slim but for, fit. But for jeans, athletic fit means yes. more room. Right. Okay. Good yeah. to know. Um, coming up, this is something we're interested in. Do. If you get the award-winning fourth hour, and we have won an award. Um, so we had Alan Dershowitz, the Harvard Law professor, on a while back, making the arguments on why Trump clearly didn't obstruct justice, and this whole investigation shouldn't even be happening. In a the of collusion part. Yeah. Not the Russian meddling part. Correct. Um, uh, and so we're going to have a different lawyer on coming up next hour explaining why Trump probably did obstruct justice and all these different things. Guy's a former U.S. attorney. I'm interested in hearing the worst case scenario because I don't hear that spelled out that often of where this could actually go, how that would play. Massive extinction level meteor. That's the worst case scenario. (laughs) As always. And sometimes I think not is the worst case scenario. Sweet meteor of death. Not having a meteor of death is the worst case scenario. <laughs> I actually have to play this whole thing out for, <laughs> the, for the full string. I'm not sure I can handle it. I that. say we go ahead. Um, how to follow up after a good first date. I haven't read this whole thing. A couple of things st- stood out to me, though, that I thought was kind of interesting. Because you go out on a date, and especially in the modern world with uh, with texting and whatnot. Because, I mean, it's, it, it's always a thing of... You call them the next day. You wait to let a couple of days go by. You don't want to seem too anxious. Mm, that whole thing. Right. But with texting, and we're all so free and easy with our texts, then you really got the pressure of, do you text right away? Whatever. This is from a woman, so it's handy for those of you who are dudes. She says um, the when of the follow-up text is the least important. Mm. As long as you don't wait like seven weeks, let a lot of time go by, then then obviously there's the message being sent. But like uh, a text, how about the, you pull over repeatedly on your way home and text like seven, eight times that night? <laughs> Arbitrarily waiting to text someone because you don't want to seem too thirsty is weird. Text when you have something to say, which is a good advice. Guys only really mess up the follow up text when they text too much rather than too soon. 
When you initiate a conversation every single day for days on end after a nice date, you're not reminding them of the fun you had go-karting. You're giving them a new chore responding to your texts. (laughs) I don't know if I buy that. As for what to text, unless there are some extenuating or scary circumstances that happen while you're on the date together on a first date, you should steer clear of asking someone to text you when they get home safely. While some women will certainly find this sweet, it can come across as kind of paternal, which is the antithesis of horny. <laughs> Unless know. you're a real perv. And <laughs> yeah, that's huh, that's interesting. I can see how some women would find that kind of cute. And Well, I'll tell you this one, because this fits in with that. Additionally, do not ever text someone you just went on a first date with goodnight. While I'm positive there are people who find this endearing, there are far more who will find it weird, a little relationshipy, and creepy. Yes. That first night. Yes. Clearly. You think? Yes. Hmm. I found the I've had a I had a great night. It was a great time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, the the just full on good night smooches like that. Um, <laughs> that's a little weird. Um, since you are neither a teenager nor Drake, you don't need to be sending a, a good night text or God forbid good morning texts yeah. to someone you've gone on fewer than twenty dates with. Fewer than twenty. Good morning texts. Yeah, that's pretty relationshipy. Yeah. A good morning. Yeah, that seems way out of bounds, but fewer than 20. <laughs> but the 17th time you go out with them, a fr- <laughs> you can't it. give them a, hey, sunshine, have a good day. <laughs> exactly. A friend of mine got There's a text. one woman I've been out with more than 20 times. A friend Sad. Of, a, yeah. a friend of mine got a text from a guy the very a night of their first date that said, good night, kissy face emoji, and she never talked to him again. Yeah. Seemed desperate, which is not the vibe you're going for. You know, I, I ROD reeks of desperation. It's to be avoided. My personal experience is that all of these rules go out the window if they're like if you like if you if, if that if it's happening if the magic is happening none of this matters it will right. it will overcome all of this. Right. And if the magic is not happening, you can probably play your cards as carefully as you want. It ain't gonna happen. Well, Unless you're just trying to like get together one more time and have sex or something. When I was a, a lot younger, I was very kind of obsessed with oh i gotta crack this dating code right there's got to be some playbook out there that just works and the more that i date and the more ages or years that i gather i realize that it's just more about just putting out whatever signal it is that you broadcast and trying to find someone who receives that right right? so she the person who wrote that article doesn't like the good night with the kissy face emoji if you like sending that send that out to people until you find someone who likes receiving that like, maybe, hmm. you know, these are little indicators that, okay, maybe we're just not communicating on the same bandwidth. If you feel strongly about that, I suppose. But, you know, for the kissy face after the first date, I mean, there's the 10%, as Jack points out, it was magical. And go ahead, because you practically can't screw it up. There's the 10% that uh, results in a restraining order. <laughs> and there's no fix in that. It's the 80% in between that you got to be carefulish. I like this one. Don't ever text, are you free on Friday night with no further information? Oh. Free on Friday night for drinks or free to go to your niece's friend's piano recital? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's funny. That's a- your, your niece's friend's piano recital. <laughs> that, yeah. You don't so want to say social graces. You don't want to say, yeah, I'm free Friday night, and that's what you're stuck with. Right. Oh, boy, that's funny. Yeah. Do not text anything sexual after a first date. One date is not permission to sext, even if you're Brett Favre. Oh, boy. <laughs> boy Favory. <laughs> um, what about texting a wedding dress emoji? Oh, boy. 
Oh, right after my the first date. Oh, boy. Oh, golly. The, uh, <laughs> Anyone else hearing bells? The, uh, the only thing that I liked about sex in the city that I think they got right was the whole concept of he's just not that into you. As opposed to like racking your brain trying to figure out why some why did you know did I text you earlier did I wear the no they just aren't India you should have you know it's about the hor- for, not hormones the pheromones that's it or chemically we weren't compatible unless of course you know you pulled some sort of horrifying faux pas it might just be chemical. Right, exactly, and they're just not that into you. And right. you, you could text at the exact right moment, or worn the right clothes, or made the right joke, or whatever, and they're just not that into you. Yeah, you don't have to make, you don't have to torture yourself trying to figure out what you did wrong. Right, it's, though you may have done something wrong. <laughs> so think about it. I learned that lesson over oh. and over again. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Remember when that little gal seemed to be really hot for you, Michael, and she tried to get you involved in Amway? Mm. Yeah, that had to be disappointing. That was very disappointing. Yeah. Got this text: Weed killer and dog food is best of both worlds. Dog poops and kills weeds. There oh, you go, oh boy. Uh, that's that's not nice. Solving problems left and right. That's not good at all. So, according to this, and I don't know if it's true or not, this very well could be the sort of thing that's. Fake news! Disgusting, disgusting fake news. President Trump has his rallies recorded and likes to watch and replay them while praising his performance and what he, what he believes are the best lines he delivered. Well, that could certainly be described as critiquing your work. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's just egomania or if that just be like you do a stand-up act and then you watch and you see what lines work and which ones don't. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's partly egomania. <laughs> I mean, clearly. God, I had a friend who used to... and Jeez, we were... 25, and he used to watch tapes of his old high school football games. Put them on all the time when we were over at his house. Oh, no. Here's where I score a touchdown in the third quarter. Tell oh, you can throw a football no. over those mountains. <laughs> Very similar. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.